Merry Christmas. There we go. There we go. Are you guys glad to be in church tonight? Amen. That was an incredible uh, worship experience. I'm so grateful to God. Let's just open with a word of prayer. We're going to focus our attention now from worship to the word. Father, would you help us right now? And I would ask you to just open our hearts and our minds to receive from the incorruptible truths of Scripture. Lord, I pray that you make the word of God come alive. Your word is living and active if we live and act on it. So I pray, Lord, that uh, this message, Lord, would bring hope to hopeless situations, to discouragement, to despair, to people who might feel depressed. I pray that you lift their spirits. They come in one way, they go out a different way. And that's maybe a lot to ask, but for you, God, it's, it's not too much because you care about that and you're concerned about us. Father, help me, too, to do this, to deliver it well, and uh, I'm your servant, your humble servant. Thank you for your help. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> Turn to your second choice and say, you're looking pretty good, pretty good tonight. You're looking pretty good. Better than normal. Definitely clean up well. <laughs> well, if you're here for the first time, uh, my name is Pastor Derek. I'm the lead servant at Connect. So honored you're with us on Christmas. Uh, it's nice when we get to once in a while dress up a little bit, wear our, you know, wear our, our kind of, we used to call it our Sunday best when I was in church as a boy, and uh, I just think you guys all look great, so good job. Uh, we're in a series, so if you're new, thank you, brother, you can take a nap. Uh, we're in a he's so tired, he's been here all week. The worship team has cots in the back, so they, they just work, you think they just show up like that, no, they work hard for that. Um, we're in a series, and basically a series is, if you're new to Connect, we, you can't teach the whole Bible in a service. We'd be here until Jesus comes. And so we break things up into pieces, and we call those like just kind of installments or messages or conversations. And so this is kind of our third conversation regarding the subject of hope. Now, the foundation for this is that we're living in a world <laughs> that if there's anything it needs, it needs a little bit more hope. Amen. Thank you, five people, for that agreement. And so when I look around, I, I, especially during the holidays, the problems are not necessarily increased. Maybe they are, but you definitely feel problems more during the holidays. Are you with me? It's just everything's kind of amped and a little bit more. There's a little more agitation. There's a little bit more emotion behind everything. And so I find uh, this particular topic to be extremely relevant, and, and we saw that really right out of the gate, and so I'm going to kind of take you back to take you forward so you can connect with what's going on, but uh, the series text that we used will help you connect quickly, and it's from Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, and it says, hope deferred, everybody say deferred, it's a weird word, but it basically means I was thinking this was going to happen, and this was going to be the outcome, that was going to be the outcome, and it didn't. I had this idea of what I was hoping for and believing for, and then over time it didn't happen. It was postponed. It, it, in fact, it was just canceled. I, I was believing that he was the one or she was the one, and it didn't happen. I, I was believing that I could have a child, and I didn't. Or worse, I lost the child that I thought I was going to have. I was believing that was the job for me, that was the promotion, that was the bonus I was going to get. My hope was deferred. My hopes were smashed, you could say. And then the Bible says this, it uses this term, it says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so we kind of built around this biblical notion that 
there's a, another level of sickness. Obviously, in the world, there's lots of sickness. Some people aren't here tonight because of sickness. Some of you just getting over sickness. And I'm, and I'm not diminishing physical sickness. I hate physical sickness. I hate being sick. I don't like feeling bad. I, I don't like some of the diseases that are out there. But I submit to you, and I think if you thought about it long enough, you hit pause, that the worst sickness of all is a heart sickness. It's a heart sickness. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But I want you to know something, that God has the answer for that sickness, that sickness of the heart. Only God has the answer for that sickness of the heart. And if you can get that sickness healed, I think a lot of other things will begin to clear up in your life. Amen? And so in week one, we talked about what, what is hope. First of all, we talked about what it's not. Hope is not uh, wishful thinking, pie in the sky, you know. It's just dreams and fairy tales. No, it's not blind optimism. You know, oh, it's, I, we can believe it. We can achieve it. No, it's not just blind. It's not just a goal or an aspiration. Hope is a confident expectation actually based on something solid. It's in a sense, it's an intangible tangible that a lot of times we don't know how to grab hold of. So God gives us these like, illustrations in the word to help us kind of connect with them and he uses an illustration in Hebrews 13 he calls hope an anchor for your soul Hebrews 13 6 if you need it an anchor for your soul so I want you to envision an anchor an anchor is something you might put into the water and then you don't see it anymore but that anchor goes down deep by the way into the waters then eventually it grabs hold it hooks onto something much larger much more significant much more powerful to help anchor a person through all the torrent winds and difficulties and waves of the world. That's what God says hope is for you. It doesn't mean there won't be storms and there won't be trials and difficulties. It's just saying in the middle of all of, all of that, God says, I have an anchor for you. I have an anchor for your soul. Soul meaning your whole, complete, entire person. Your spirit, your mind, your body, not just your body. Are you with me? God wants to give you hope in your hopeless situations. Then Last week, for those of you who want to go back and listen to these, it'll help you a lot to hear, hear these in, over, over like kind of a um, couple of weeks. But last week, we, we delved into a question or an experience that I think all of us have had. And the idea was this. How do you have hope for the future when your hopes were smashed in the past? Because it's easy to hope once. But when your hopes didn't come to pass, it's really hard to hope a second time. So we talked about that. I'm not going to talk about that today because we already talked about that. So you can go back and listen to that. Uh, go to YouTube, like, and subscribe. So my son always tells me to say, so I did it. There you go. Um, but today I want to go deeper, okay? Everybody say deeper. Because I want to I talk about hope that's just not there before something happens. Hope that's just, see, God doesn't want to give you something before, just before it happens. Stop it. He doesn't want to just help you through it after it happens. God is the God in the middle of your trials and in the middle of your circumstances, in the middle of your difficulties, in the middle of your storm. God is God in the middle. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is God in the middle. Amen. Amen. Through them, in our troubles and through our troubles, he's with us. So 2 Corinthians uh, will be kind of our key text today. 2 Corinthians 1, the Apostle Paul is speaking to us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says this. He says, praise be to God and our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. So all comfort comes from God. I want you to know real comfort, not temporary comfort. 
Not, uh, not just quick fixes. Real comfort comes from God. Then he says, who comforts us, God, who comforts us in all of our troubles. So I just want you to know something. God, the word of God, if it's true, and I believe it is, and I'll, I'll, I'll bet the farm on it, God provides comfort, not in some of your troubles, not in a few of your troubles. God provides, it's important you see this, he provides comfort in all of your troubles. So everything I'm going to say tonight is built one thing upon the other. So it's very important. If you have a problem, my daddy used to say, if it has a fault at the first, it has a fizzle at the finish. you got to get it right in the beginning, everybody. God provides comfort in all of your circumstances and all of your situations. And you may say, well, I don't need any comfort because I'm comfortable. Well, you're true. You don't need, you don't need, you don't need comfort if you're comfortable. But, but many people are uncomfortable. And you will be uncomfortable at some point. If you're not coming out of a trial, if you, excuse me, if you're not in a trial, you're getting ready to go into one. If you just came out of one, you're getting ready to go into another one later on, okay? I want to tee you up for 2023. That's what really this is. It's an Chris, unusual Christmas message, but I believe it's very relevant in this particular season, but it's going to set you up for the future. It's going to help you in a big way. And I think if God could say something to you, through this particular message, I think he wants to say, I want to show you where I am in your troubles. That I'm right there, and I want to reveal myself to you if you learn how to pay attention to it. To hear me and to see me in the middle of your situations. Are you with me? Are you tracking, everybody? So, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, continuing on. Skipping down to verse 8, Paul is having an experience with his friends doing ministry. He's out there. He's helping people. He's a, he's a church planter. He's, a, he's a, a leader of leaders. And he says this. He goes, I don't want y'all, y'all, as my wife would say from the south, I don't want y'all to be uninformed about the hardships that we suffered when we were back in Asia. So he was doing ministry over there. And he goes, I don't want you to, be, I don't want you to think everything was just perfect. Like, ministry is just, it's all awesome. You know, just serving God, everything just goes great. No, Paul's not going to lie to us. He basically says, when we were there, we were under such great pressure. In fact, it was far beyond my ability, our ability to endure it, so that we despaired even of life. Look what he says. He says, our hearts, in our hearts we felt even the sentence of death. Now, I just got to hit pause before we go on. Paul is considered the, one of the greatest leaders of all time in Christianity a super apostle, uh, an incredible Christian leader. Um, most people would say top five Christian leaders, maybe even top two Christian leaders in the entire Bible. Old Testament might say Moses, New Testament, outside of Jesus, you would say Paul. Okay, so we're talking about a rock star in the faith, and he's being real raw and real and saying, hey, guys, I thought, I thought there was so much pressure. There was the sentence of death. I even despaired. I wanted to check out. Let me tell you my story. This is my story. No, this isn't something you want to worship to. He's basically saying, here's my song. My song's a sad song. I have no hope. That's how I felt when I was there. I literally wanted to check out. But then he says something. He says, but. Everybody say but. but. Some buts are good. Some buts are bad. How's yours? <laughs> I don't want really to repeat what I just heard. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta move on. Jesus help me. <laughs> but he said, but this happened. Everybody say this happened. this happened. 
So in other words, he's, he's getting ready to go forward, but he reflects on the past and he says, because of what happened back here, but this that happened in the past where I wanted to check out, where I despaired even of life, when I was under so much pressure, I was A.D., all done. He said, this happened, this happened because God was trying to teach me something. This happened in the middle of all this. He taught me how to not rely on myself, but to rely on God. So there's something huge inside of this particular scripture because some of the trials that you're going through, it's, you're so quick. We're so quick sometimes to, uh, to hold God accountable for these trials and turn against him, away from him. See, I just want to submit to you and I'll unpack this more. He doesn't cause them, but he will use them. And he, I mean, he really wants to use them in significant ways in your life. And I hope that pops as we go forward. He's trying to teach you. And provide something for you in the middle of those trials. And, but one of the most significant things you need to see is he's going to give you comfort in all your situations. But first, you must understand, you can't be holding on by yourself, uh, taking care of yourself. You're going to have to learn to rely on him. If you were in white water and you fell out of a boat, if you've ever been white water rafting or studied it, you know, they'll tell you basically, if you fall out, don't try to save yourself. The first thing they'll tell you is just put your hand up in the air and begin to wave it, and you wait for the captain to pull you into the boat. You have to basically like surrender, in a sense, to self, from self-reliance to, to dependence on someone else. And that's really the Christian experience in a nutshell. You surrender trusting in you, and you transfer that trust to someone else who has an anchor for your soul, who has, who has a sure-footed foundation for you when you're in the middle of your difficult circumstances. Are you with me, everybody? So how do we come through it? Jesus said it like this in Luke 18.1. And we're going to show you a story from right within our church, from some, some of our beloved leaders of our Framingham campus. But Jesus said this. He said, Luke 18, 1, Jesus used this story. See, Jesus, all through the Bible and great leaders in Scripture, would use particular stories because inside them are prescriptions and promises to help us through our situation. He said he used this story to teach his followers, that's us, that we should always pray and never lose hope. I hope this next couple ministers to you because they are currently in the middle of a trial not before it, not after it, but right in the middle. Check this out. Hi, I'm Nicole, and I'm on staff here at Connect. And I'm Cliff. I'm the campus pastor of Framingham here at Connect Church. And this is our story for God's glory. So about four years ago, right after we got married, we bought our home in Framingham. Yes. Um, my parents made that possible. We purchased it from them. It was a huge blessing, but we knew that if we wanted to stay there for a while, we would eventually have to expand. So about a year ago, we started dreaming up these plans of what this renovation would look like in our home, what we wanted our future kids to have for yes. a home, what our backyard would look like, what our inside would look like. We were fun. dreaming it up. Yeah, it was fun. And then uh, the work started. Well, it was supposed to start in May, the renovation. Uh, it got pushed back to September. It was a little frustrating, but easy to overcome. And then, uh, you know, everything got started. And the living situations were difficult. I remember telling you, sweetheart, I was like, I would not recommend living through a reno no. uh, to anyone. You know, we were eating on the floor. Uh, we were doing dishes in the tub. Um, but it was all okay. You know, we knew that it was a means to an end. It was worth, it was a sacrifice. It was going to, hey, we got eight weeks of this. We got 10 weeks of this. And uh, we, you know, it was all doable for sure. They were doable, but then things started going 
sideways yes, a little bit. Quickly. I was carting our toddler from Framingham to Westboro every day to make sure that we were out of the living space, but there were many nights that I would come home and there would be no workers there and nothing done. And I would keep saying to Cliff, like, what is going on? I thought that every, every day there was gonna be someone here and that's why I'm bringing Harper out of the house. And um, it was a lot for sure. And then after that, things went from sideways to upside down. Upside down for sure. Uh, I would say one night, uh, one conversation, we found out that the, uh, the contractor's business wasn't really a business anymore. Um, and that three of our four payments uh, were gone to the tune of $59,000. And the picture, the dreams uh, that Nicole was talking about earlier, we could not picture anymore. Um, no, and immediately after that conversation, as we were processing <clears throat> and so many things went through our heads, the dreams gone, obviously, the regrets of, was this even the right thing to yep. do in the first place? Why we did we moved? do this? Yeah, should we have moved instead of starting a renovation? So many thoughts, so many things going through our head. Yeah, I mean, there was, I, I just remember being at work and just talking to God and things were just pouring in and um, just knowing that this this wasn't how it was supposed to be. And just that, even that sentence alone, and I know some of you can relate, was very difficult. Uh, but we prayed, we prayed together, we prayed separately. Fought uh, a little bit. We fought, <laughs> we definitely fought. Um, we had different feelings and faith in this matter and we had to kind of get through some things inside of our marriage. And, um, and we got counsel. And from that point on, we just started remembering what God has done for us in the past. We remembered the promises that he's delivered on and the promises that we stand on. And this was our time. This is our time uh, to continue to stand on those promises. Yeah. And I'm a very practical person and I don't see how in any way this almost $60,000 is coming back to us. But I do know that I have the faith that God has us. That's really good, sweetie. Uh, we still don't know how this is going to end. Uh, so we're operating from what we do know, that God loves us, that we trust him, and we know that he has us. Ours is a home situation. Yours could be a health situation. It could be something small. It could be something way bigger. Uh, just know that God was there in the beginning. He's going to be there in the end. But he's also right here with you in the middle. What might seem impossible now is possible with God. We love you guys, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Those are our very own Cliff, Pastor Cliff, our Framingham campus pastor and his wife, Nicole. You know, I was thinking, why is it, you know, that they're able to have that kind of comfort in the middle and that hope in the middle? And some of you might have something not as bad as that. Some of you as bad as that. Some of you way worse than that. And you're in the middle. And I think what I've noticed is some people in difficult situations, they either turn away or run away from God or they turn towards and run towards God. Why? Why? What, what happens with that? And some of that has to do, I think, with the way you believe. The way you behave is connected sometimes to the way you believe. What I like to do is I like to try to influence what you believe when you're in the middle. What's going on inside you? Because the people that come through situations like this, they do what all of us do, either subconsciously or consciously. We ask why. Why? Why is this happening to me? I can't believe this. People are doing that all the time. But there's two ways to ask why. People that come through these situations have a different intent when they ask why than the people that don't come through it. Some people ask why and they immediately hold God responsible. They implicate him. They blame him. 
But that's not what's happening in this situation with Cliff and Nicole. Cliff and Nicole are asking why this happened, but they're not holding him responsible. Their why is more like a, it's more like a what? What's going on here? What am I not seeing? What, do I, what am I missing? What do I need to learn from this? Do you know what? You need to know something. You can ask why. It's okay. How do I know that? Because the Son of God asked why when he was on earth here. In fact, on his worst day, we call it Good Friday. It was good because he was paying for our sins on the cross to those who have accepted that once and for all sacrifice 2,000 years ago, he paid for your sin, whether you've accepted it or not, he paid for it. And while he was going to the cross, we call that good because no, we're not, our goodness is not based on our good works, but his good works and his finished work on Calvary. So it's a good day for us. But it was a horrible day for Jesus. And before he went to the cross, he was in the garden. When he was in the garden, he was talking to God like many of us do when we're in the middle. And he said, my God, my God, why? Why are you forsaking? I'm your son. Why, 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 why do we got to go about it this way? Is there any other way? Why, 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 why? And so I want you to know something. It's okay to ask why. In fact, he's the only one that can answer that question. He's the only one that can help you through that situation or that circumstance. Aim your toughest questions at God. That's okay. Just don't implicate him. Don't hold him responsible. Don't think, because he's the only one that can handle your questions. And he's the only one that can help you through your situation because he's the God of all comfort. And he comforts us in all of our, not just out of, but in all of our difficulties and, and all of our tough situations. Are you with me, everybody? So uh, Jesus did that, and I would just say sometimes you got to do what Jesus did too. you got to come to the place where you're like, you know what, God? You're obviously up to something. Not my will, but your will be done. You're going to show me. You're going to reveal it to me when I'm good and ready. But until then, I'm just going to trust you through the circumstances, through the situation, through this difficulty. And sometimes... You know, we don't get it right away. And so Paul said the same thing. He said, like Jesus, but just different words. He said, but all that that was bad, this happened so that I wouldn't rely on myself. I would rely on God. So why do we have to go through some tough trials and difficulties? And, and, and you know, why do we have to face all these kind of things, Pastor Derek? Well, I don't know all of those things, but I will say this. I might not have, and God might not give you right away a great reason, but he'll always give you a great lesson. Stop looking for a great reason and start looking for a great lesson in those situations. But I'll give you some possible reasons why sometimes we suffer, and I'm going to focus on one in a second, but sometimes we suffer because of our associations, good or bad. So sometimes you suffer because you're associated with a bad person and you're in the shrap metal of their stupid decisions, right? Remember your teenage experience, right? You're out. You didn't want to do this, but you're just hanging out with so-and-so, and you got in trouble too, all right? That's what I'm talking about. But there's another side to that that relates to the Christian experience. Sometimes, especially in other parts of the world, you suffer by association because you bear the name of Jesus Christ. You, because you're a follower of Christ, many people suffer. We call that Christian suffering. We don't have a lot of that in this country, but we're starting to have more of it in this country. But I will encourage you to make sure, my dad used to say, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And if there's something you should stand for, it should stand for your Christian faith, that you are a Christ follower and never deny Jesus before men, and he'll never deny you before his Father in heaven. Amen? So I just encourage you. But some of us suffer because of that Christian suffering. Some of us suffer because of what we call consequential suffering. We suffer because of our mistakes. 
our regrets, the things we did wrong. We know why we're suffering. My little kids used to come up, Daddy, Daddy, will you pray for me? I'm thick. And I said, I'm going to pray for you. But remember when Daddy told you not to eat that entire box of Fruit Loops? <laughs> you first need to repent, honey, for doing that. Then I'll pray for you. Okay. So sometimes we're suffering like children, and we're like, come on, let's just be honest. We're suffering because of the mistakes that we made, because of the foolish decisions that we made. But that's not what I'm talking about. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's not what he's talking about right now. <laughs> one of the reasons we suffer, and this is the hardest one for some people, it's called common suffering. We suffer because we live in a cursed world. It wasn't cursed. It got cursed. It was perfect at one time. See, we live in this world thinking that, some of us think, that I, I, if I'm going to become a Christian, I think I'm going to have this more utopian experience while I'm here. See, Jesus didn't come into this world to make it a rose garden for you or the Garden of Eden. He actually came into this world to help you learn how to overcome in this world, to be an example to everybody else in this world, so they want what you have, so they get ready to leave this world and be with God forever. That was a better opportunity for you to say amen, okay? See, this, this false doctrine that God is going to fix everything in the world, no, he's not. He didn't come here to try to fix it. He's ultimately going to fix it, but he's not fixing it now. He's fixing it later. He's going to fix the circumstantial and the physical world later. Right now, when he came to earth, his, his heaven-to-earth experience was to fix your heart and your relationship with God first and foremost. He didn't come to fix everything. He came to identify with everyone. Is everybody tracking with me right now? Between now and then, what he wants you to do is he wants you to learn two words in the Bible that, that commonly happen. He wants you to learn how to be a conqueror. Or one translation says an overcomer, Romans 12, 11. He wants you to be an overcomer. That means you need to learn how to come over some stuff, come through some stuff, conquer some situations, live as a higher order of being because of your faith and reliance on God and not yourself. Some of you don't like this, but this is still good preaching. Amen. I'm going to amen myself. Romans chapter 8, verse 37, Paul speaking said, In all these things that you face, we are more than conquerors, not through Derek Fry or through the best podcast on the planet. No, through him, through him who loved us and gave himself for us. Are you with me, everybody? So when you get in a difficult situation, the, the, if your reflex is, Scotty, beam me up, like take me out of here. That's not really the kind of prayers that God typically answers. God's going to answer your prayer, but it might be he's going to answer your prayer while you're in the middle of the trial and teach you how to overcome it. Amen. Not just snap, crackle, pop, get out of it. Are you with me, everyone? Okay? If God's not, if it's not good yet, it's because God's not done yet. He's not done yet. Amen? So, what's going on, though, in the trial? What's, is there a purpose? Yes. I'm glad that you're thinking like that. See, Sometimes you have, you know, how many people married in this room? Raise your hand if you're married or have a significant other in your life, okay? You have some regular conversations, hopefully. You'll figure it out when you get married, Jill. You'll figure it out later. Sometimes when, when you're, in a, you're in a relationship with a significant other, there's one gender, I'll let you figure it out, that has the fact conversation, there's the other gender that has the feelings conversation, okay? The one on the fact side is trying to solve the problem, and the one on the feeling side is, I want you to understand my problem, <laughs> not try to just fix it, okay? 
I'll let you guys figure out who's going on, who's who, who's who in that story. So when the two of them come together, sometimes those two worlds, because one's in a fact realm and one's in a feeling realm, there's a disconnect. Everybody say disconnect. And we've all experienced it. Can I just say something? That happens with you and God all the time. God sometimes is trying to have a heavenly conversation with you through your natural situation, and you're in an earthly realm trying to understand what's happening, and you're disconnect there's a disconnect between the two of you, all right? Let me try to unpack it like this. There are many examples in the Bible where this happens. One of them happens in the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11. All the people are like, wait, what's going on? Why are you waiting so long? Your friend's died, and oh, don't worry about it. He's just asleep. Asleep? He's dead. Jesus was like, no, no, no. This, this happened. This happened so that God might be glorified. What? All that went through because there's a purpose behind it. Yeah, I don't understand. He's dead. What could be good about it? They're all natural, and Jesus is all in the heavenly realm. They're in the earthly. He's in the heavenly. Are you tracking? Back up, John chapter 3. Jesus is having a conversation with a, a really strong, moral, Christian-valued person, and his name was Nicodemus. We'll just call him Nick. Nick at night. And Nick has this conversation with Jesus, and Jesus is like, Nick, great job, you know, keeping all the rules, keeping all the commandments, you're awesome. But survey says, eh, eh, that's not going to get you into heaven. Woo! Nick is like, wow, what are you talking about? Jesus says, Nick, you're going to have to be born. He introduces a term that's never come up, come up before. He says, you're going to have to be born again. Nick's like, huh, come again? No, born again. You're gonna, I'm going to have to go back into my mother's womb. Jesus is like, no, 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 silly. You don't go back in your mother's womb. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing right now. This is the message part two. Uh, he, says, he says, no, you don't go back in your mother's womb. You're not born of water. You have to be born of the Spirit. Nick's just not getting it. So Jesus works a little bit harder. Nick's in the natural, the earthly, and Jesus is in the heavenly trying to have a conversation with him. So Jesus says, Come, Nick, listen to me. You're saying you don't understand, but there's a lot of things you don't see that you you don't, you don't have to see to understand. What? He goes, look at the, the wind, for example. Can you see it? Well, of course I can't see it. But can you see its effects? Well, Nick's still struggling. And so Jesus basically says, Nick, if you can't understand these things, you're going to really struggle with the other things that I want to teach you. And I just want to say to you, God might be trying to have a conversation with you. And how he does that, a lot of times, God tries to have conversations with us in life through trial and through suffering. One of the best ways that he can grab hold of you and get your attention is when you're in the middle. And I want you to know something. When you're in the middle, God's right there, and he wants to have a conversation with you. He doesn't want to just give you a reason first for what's happening. He wants to give you a lesson in life that will help you, not just now, but into the future. Can I have an amen out there, all right? So God could be up to something. Maybe God is trying to have a conversation with you. And so he wants you to put on, it's almost like if I had a pair of glasses and I have some at home readers, he wants you to put on some God glasses, though. Because the way you've been seeing things, and that's what God's trying to do even through this message, is help you see your situations differently. Because if you could see that God was in the middle, if you could see that God is the God of all comfort, if you could see that he didn't cause it, he's trying to use it, if you could see what God sees, you might not see a problem as a problem, you might see it as an opportunity. Amen. You might not see it as a delay to the ending, you might see it as just chapter one. 
of a story that's beginning to unfold. Are you with me, everybody? You might not see just the the temporal. You might see that God has something that's bigger, that is eternal. You might not see death. You might see it as sleep. God is trying to speak to you while you're in the middle of your situation, in the middle of your circumstances. He wants to do something in you and therefore, over time, even something through you to help other people. Your problem that you're in right now is bigger than you. My marriage problems early, our marriage problems early on, we're 31 years married, bless God. But the first 10 years were tough. But because we learned how to see God in the middle, we've been able to help many people through their marriage problems. But at the time, all I could see was just me, 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 me. And until I could begin to stop looking through earthly eyes and see that God was up to something, not only to do something in me, but through me and through my wife, I couldn't be set free and find hope. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and following says, and some powerful things emerge when you begin to see it this way. Paul speaking again, he says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Do what? Glory in them. There's no way you're going to glory in them if you don't have those glasses on that I'm talking about, those faith glasses. He says, because we know, we don't maybe, like these things, but we know some things. See, we know there's something good in the sufferings. We might not like them, but we know something good's going to come out of them. Oh, that was, that was a weak amen for that particular point. So we know, look at this, that suffering produces. Wait a second. I thought suffering reduces. I thought suffering diminishes. I thought suffering, you know, removes me from possibilities and from growth, eliminates these things. No, it's saying suffering produces something. What does it produce? Well, ultimately, it's going to produce something amazing that we all need, but we're going to have to go through a process. Suffering produces perseverance. We'll unpack that in a second. Perseverance, character, and character produces what? Hope. Come on, say it. Hope. Come on, say it strong. Oh, so there's a process that you must go through. But it starts with the middle, the suffering, the trials, the difficulties. Pastor, I wish you could be more positive on Christmas. I'm positive this is true, and it's going to help you in a big way. Okay? All right, so here's three takeaways. When you're facing hopeless situations, when you're in the middle of something, what is Romans 5 tells us is if you're going to be a conqueror, if you're going to be an overcomer, number one, you have to have perseverance. And perseverance is fundamentally endurance. God's not raising up a bunch of weaklings. God's raising up an army. Can I have an amen? Amen. He's raising up people that have endurance. Endurance fundamentally means you remain. You're steadfast. You you don't quit. You don't don't give up. When pressure comes on you, you kind of, the Bible says, when you've done all to stand, stand. Stand, therefore. All right? And so sometimes we're so quick to change our pivot foot and and to, oh, gosh, it's not going the way I thought it was going to go. And my microwave theology is messing me up right now. See, God's not like that. He's a God of process, amen? And that process it, it yields some incredible fruit in your life. And some of you, because of your theology, you might be fourth in inches from a breakthrough, getting out of that trial, getting out of that difficult situation, but you quit and you moved on too fast or you turned away from the only one who can help you uh, get through it. And you need to just hang on. That's just a word for somebody in this room. Will you just hang on? Will you just stand Will you just endure just a little bit longer? Some of the best things that ever came to me in my life is I, didn't, I just didn't give up. 
You just hang on. You don't quit. Amen? Are you with me? Your rock bottom can become the solid foundation for which you rebuild the rest of your life if you allow it to happen. Hebrews 10 tells us, so don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. This is the Bible, not me. So that when you have done the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised. James 1.12 says, blessed is the man who remains. Everybody say remains. Amen. Steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he stood the test, he received a crown of life. Number two, overcomers, they have character. Everybody say character. So if you're going to have hope, it's preceded by endurance, and character is fundamentally a maturity, because character doesn't just happen overnight. First you form habits, and then habits form you. They form your character. So you have many, many days of good habits, and then good habits form good character. That's a process. Character is a tested, tested value, a proven value, a value that was in the fire, and it remained the fire of a difficult marriage, the fire of working under a, a tough boss, the fire of not feeling good and still trusting God and standing on his promises and what he says in his word about the healing of your body and divine health. The fire is what God wants you to sometimes just hold on. And while that's happening, he is building good character and he is maturing you. And not only does he give you a backbone to be able to face things in the future, but listen, here's one of the byproducts of good character and the maturation process. You get smarter. You get a little wiser. And you know why that's important? Because God will teach you when trials come how to outwit your enemy and short circuit his sniper plots. What do you mean, Pastor Derek? Well, see, I've learned in... 30 years of ministry, and I've been saved since I was six years old, and I still have a lot of learning in other areas, so this is categorical, so don't take this as a prideful statement, but I've matured in certain areas, and, and, and I can pick different ones, but I learned, for example, in our marriage, that if I'm going to be ministering to a lot of people, and the platform is going to touch a lot of people relationally or otherwise, right before that I do that, the enemy is going to try to attack me in my primary relationship. I know that now. I've matured. I, I'm smart. I'm like, aha, I know what's going on right now here. Things are starting to get fired up between Stacy and I. I'm going to step back and get a tic-tac, okay? Oh, hey, oh, hey. Drop, give me 50. You know, like, let's, what's going on? This is way too much. I, I can see it. I can see it coming. I've gotten a little smarter. I've gotten a little wiser. This is what happens when, when you go through these things. God's trying to develop and, and mature you. We're getting ready to go on vacation as a family. I got kids coming from all over the place. I actually want to enjoy this vacation. We saved up money and stewarded money for this vacation. But if everybody comes in exhausted and then sick and the whole week is spoiled, see, I've gotten smarter. Now I call my kids. I'm like, hey, I want you to steward your bodies really well this week. Take a nap. Here's some vitamins that I just sent you. I want you to pray over your kids as they go to school that they don't get sick and pick up any infirmities or any kind of problems. We want to enjoy ourselves. Let's speak life over ourselves and not speak death. Well, last year we got sick. I hope we don't get sick this year. Don't say that. Put a stop payment to those kind of confessions. We've gotten wiser, and now because of maturity, we've learned how to outwit our enemy. How many know that's a blessing when you build godly character? Amen? Come on, somebody. That's good. James chapter 1, verse 2 says, consider it pure joy. What? My brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know. Everybody say, I know. I know. 
See, when you have this reference point that I'm speaking of, that the testing of your faith, my daddy would say, faith that isn't tested can't be trusted. The testing of your faith develops perseverance. Here's another text, not Romans, but now James. Perseverance must, listen, it must finish its work so that you may be mature. What happens when you go through that process, receive that process, uh, benefited from that process, you're mature and you're complete and you won't lack anything. See, God's not trying to just give you a temporary fix. If he answered that prayer that you had right away, First of all, he wouldn't be a good parent if he, asked, if he answered every prayer you asked the way you asked it. Sometimes I think we're praying to God and he's like, ask again. That's the wrong prayer, Derek. <laughs> I think sometimes we just want him to ask right away. That's not a good parent. Remember when Bruce Almighty, anybody watch the movie Bruce Almighty? Bruce thought he could do better than God. God's like, okay, here you go. I'm giving you all my powers. Crazy idea. Let's not do that, Okay. But he starts having to face all the problems of the world. All the prayer requests are coming in, and Bruce is going crazy. He designs a program where all the prayers can just be answered by a program. Yes, 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 yes. And there's chaos on the planet. He had to learn the hard way that saying yes to everything and yes to everything right now is not the answer. See, if he said yes to your problem right now, it's just a temporary fix. God's not trying to just do something temporary. He's trying to do something permanent. And so he wants you to mature, be complete, and not lack, not just in that situation, but anything in every situation. But you're going to have to go through this maturing process so you ultimately can find what number three is, and that is hope. Number three, overcomers have hope, and it's all about heaven. Hope in the end is about heaven. I don't know where you're at on this particular subject, but for some, it just gets a little bit of press in your life. It's, it's, it's thought of too small. And you know why it's so small sometimes in your life? If heaven is small in your heart and in your life and in the windshield of your life, it's because life has got a hold on you. My mentor used to say, wear life like a loose garment. Don't have it so tightened and buttoned up so tight. You're just, ooh, just, life has just got hold of you. No, you get, look at this. Ready for this? I'm totally committed to connect. You've got to wear life like a loose garment, everybody. That's the connect, That's the connect logos. Connect logos, everybody. I just want you to know I'm committed. You've got to wear life like a loose garment. It's just a moment there. We've got to celebrate. You've got to wear life like a loose garment. Most of us, the secret to life is not to put too much stock in it. It's just temporary. You are a spiritual being having a temporary human experience. So when you start going to God with all your concerns, when you're in the middle of a trial and you're in the middle of all these different situations, let me just tell you something. God hears your prayers. Can I just encourage you? He hears your prayers. I'm going to take it up a notch. God answers your prayers. But he might answer them different than you think. I like when he answers my prayers and he changes the circumstances. I prayed, and this is what I prayed for, and this is what happened. My favorite. Sometimes he does that. Sometimes in his sovereignty and his wisdom and his good parenting, he does that. Because a lot of times he does it when you're really new to the faith because he wants to encourage you. But sometimes you get a little older, not so much because he's trying to develop you now. So sometimes he answers your prayers when you pray, by the way you got to pray, by giving you the grace to pull through your trial. Because it's bigger than you. It's not just about you. There's a lesson. 
He wants to help, he wants to help you so you can help others. You know what's in that chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, a couple chapters later, it says, no, excuse me, it's chapter 1, it says, verse 3, we comfort those with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. See, God wants to use people to bring comfort to other people who don't have comfort. But you can't do that if you don't have the ability to pull through something. So sometimes he answers by giving you exactly what you want, changes the circumstance. Sometimes he answers by giving the grace to pull through. Listen, this one, this one's tough. Sometimes he answers your prayer by changing you. He changes your character. Because he doesn't want you to lack. He wants you to learn how to face some tough things. He's looking for some examples. He's looking through the whole earth. He's like, is there anybody who trusts me? Is there anybody who follows me? Anybody obedient? Anybody I can bestow more of my favor and blessing on that can handle it? There are going to have to be men and women of character and maturity. But listen, lastly... Everybody say lastly. Sometimes he answers in heaven. But if you're holding on to this life so tight, it'll do you in. But when you cross over from this life to the next, all of a sudden you'll be like, Whoa. it'll be an aha moment. What was I so upset about? Hope is found in heaven. And hope, listen, hope has a name. Hope's name is Jesus. Will you stand on your feet? Let me pray for you. In so many words, at Christmas time, we always talk about Jesus coming from heaven to earth at Christmas. But we must ultimately remember that Jesus, yeah, he came from heaven to earth to show us how to get from earth to heaven. Ultimately, Jesus came from heaven to earth to show us how to get from earth to heaven. And the only way that's possible is through one name. And only one name brings that hope, and that name is Jesus Christ. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, let me just say this to you. There are two groups of people in this room. There are people who are right now in the middle of something. You're in the middle of a trial. You're in the middle of a difficulty. There's a test. You're suffering in some way. If that's you today, would you say, Pastor, that's me. I want you to pray for me. Raise your hand good and high. That's me. I'm going through it right now. There's something going on in the middle of my life. Good and high. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Between you and God, God sees your hand. Heaven sees your hand. Amen. You can put your hand down now. Thank you. I want to say something to you, and then I'm going to pray for you. Can God have a conversation with you in the middle of that? Father, I pray for every person who just raised their hand, and even those who didn't, that are in the middle of something. God... I pray before they look for a reason, they look for a lesson. Before they look for answers to everything, God, I pray that you would help them to see what you see and then say it to them, Lord. Say it to them. What are you trying to teach them? What are you trying to instruct them? And what, what, what lesson is there in the middle? And Lord, when that happens, Lord, I believe that you'll bring them hope. You'll bring them supernatural hope in Jesus' name. Now, you might be here today with every head bowed, every eye closed, still remaining still. You might be here today, and God, Jesus himself, who came from heaven to earth, he came, but the Bible says some won't receive him. Some did not accept him. Some rejected him. Some. Some might receive him. He came for the some that might. Is God in the middle of your heart? Is God at the center of your heart? Are you sure that if you walked out here on Christmas Day, that Jesus is, that, is on the throne of your life. He's in the center of your heart and mind. Because, listen, maybe you've been calling the shots all this time. 
Becoming a Christian is simply transferring trust in me to trust in him. Have you transferred trust? Have you given Jesus the wheel of your life? Are you certain today that if you went out of here and you drew your last breath and you stood before a holy God and he said to you, why should I let you into my heaven? You could say with confidence, well, it's because I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I surrendered. Or are you going to say, well, I, 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 I'm Nicodemus. I lived a good life and I did a lot of good things. Which one will you say? What will be your answer? If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus and you'd like to do that, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I don't want to leave today without that certainty that Jesus is in the middle of my heart. If that's you, good night. Between me, you, and God. Me, you, and heaven. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Anybody else? Good. I can't see in the back, so raise it high if I missed you. God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can put your hands down. So good here in the front. Several of you, thank you. Church, would you pray this prayer? And those that just raise your hand, say this from your heart. Say, Jesus, today is the day of salvation for me. This Christmas, I believe that you came from heaven to earth for me. I thank you for giving your life for me. And now I give my life back to you. By grace through faith, I receive salvation. Hope has a name. And I put my trust in Jesus. And now my name is in the Lamb's book of life. And the angels rejoice because another sinner has come home and said yes to God. Come on, church. Can we begin to worship God? Can we all say hope has a name and his name is Jesus. Amen. God bless you and Merry Christmas.